Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 251 of the Sausage Factory. Welcome. Thanks for listening. In this episode, I talk to Enrique Colnet of the Game Kitchen about their action-adventure game, Blasphemous. It's on the Switch and the PC and other platforms, I think. Xbox, I think. Anyway, I'll tell you at the end of the show. But before we delve into that, what else is under Kane Rince's vast umbrella? The first time on Monday, Kane Rince itself was this week, is covering the evil within. Ooh, spooky. And timely, considering, you know, it's Halloween and all that. Sound of Play, Wednesday. Probably having a Halloween special as well. You might even hear my voice in it. Oh, spoilers. Sorry. And on Thursday we have Playwright, a podcast starring two people called Ryan Inventing Games about, well, topics that are given to them by their listeners. It's fantastic. Do listen. And on Friday it's the Sausage Factory, but you knew that anyway because you're listening to me right now. Hey, you know the score. Thank you. Does anyone say that anymore? Anyway, what was I doing? Yes, canonrince.com. It's a website you can go to. You can find archives of all the shows I've just mentioned. Yes. And um, also forums as well. Sorry? Forums, yes. Distracted by something. But yes, you can go to forums and talk about things on forums like people used to do 20 years ago. People are still doing it right now at canandrince.com. So do that. Great. There's Twitch streams. Yes? Twitch streams. Last week I did Starglider on Atari ST, which almost didn't happen, by the way. But I managed to get it to work on my Atari STE. What problems did I have? What did I face? Well, you can watch the archive on YouTube. Yes, that's right. There's also uh, MK. He does. It's home, MK's home base, he calls it. Which uh, confusingly sounds like Milton Keynes home base, but it isn't. Um, it's McKeel. He does a fantastic... Uh, Stream on Friday evenings at about 8pm. 
uh, UK time. And similarly, I do a stream every Sunday at about 8pm, unless noted otherwise. Um, this week, by the way, as uh, you're listening to this show, um, it's probably going to be impossible on the uh, uh, Apple Arcade. But anyway, that aside... Um, you can also chuck us some some coin. That's right. If you give us a few few shekels, uh, in exchange for extra content. So one US dollar a month, which is currently about you know, about seventy five pence. Um, you can gain access to not only early content as you get episodes of Cane Rinse one week early, but also exclusive access to other paid content like the monthly podcast that Jay and Leon, the founders of Cane and Rinse, actually deliver every month, and also the platform exclusives. Uh, I was on the one about the Amiga, but the current one, which is currently behind the Patreon paywall, is indeed the Dreamcast one. It's excellent. So, if you, but you can't listen to it yet unless you subscribe. So do that. We'll be very, very appreciative. Now, let's go on to the main event, shall we? So we listen to myself from the past talking to Enrique about blasphemous. So we do that. All right then. Off you go, Chris. Enrique. Hello. Who are you, and what do you do? Well, um, my name is Enrique Colinet, and I work at uh, the Game Kitchen uh, for a game that is called Blasphemous. Maybe some people heard of that in the last month. And I'm one of the game designers, and especially I'm the main level designer for the game. So basically, if you fall on some spikes, it's probably my fault. It's your fault. Totally (laughs) your fault. Um, (laughs) And I'm really looking forward to talk about the fluidity of Blasphemous because mm-hmm. it, it, it is very fluid. In fact, mm-hmm. it's a game that if you're stopped for a reason, you're probably doing something wrong. But we'll come <laughs> on to that later. Um, so you answered the first question well. Well done. Starts off easy, then gets harder. Second <laughs> question. How did you make your start making video games? Well, uh, I mean, Spain is not like the most well-known country for you know game development. It's getting know. better. I mean, it's getting better with the time. Yeah, I could, I could counter that. I think you know you, you made a lot of Amstrad games back in the day, and yes. uh, MSX is a big fans of as well. Those yeah, and Spectrum and Amstrad. Yeah, 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 big, big, big fan. You, no, come on, I'm not <laughs> being patronising. Please, Enrique, I know. You've made some amazing games in the past, so. But I take your point. I take your point. It's not <laughs> as well known as it blooming well should be. But yes, I mean here, are, like, yeah, here in Spain we still call that uh, the time, the golden age of, oh. of gaming in Spain. You know, because it, it, it never happened again. Oh, <laughs> that's weird. Why do you think that is? Why do you think the the momentum sort of petered out when the sixteen bit and the Amigas and stuff arrived? What, what do you think happened? <laughs> Maybe it was one of the few times in history that we were not lazy about something. <laughs> For the record, <laughs> you said that. I said that. You said yeah. it. You can say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> just, yeah, know, but yeah. It, it, it's just that uh, from that point on, uh, you know, every everybody beat us on the, on that run you know um, yeah. i mean british developers uh, even even french developers <laughs> they oh, they no, beat us right? on that run. yeah well, <laughs> yes. ubisoft who'd have thunk it like how'd that yes. happen you know but yeah <laughs> it, it did 
And uh, yeah, it was an interesting time. It's a discussion for another time, my friend. But uh, yeah, so so you made your start. Yeah. So in, in, in based in Spain, which which part of Spain, by the way? Just, uh, uh, yeah, I'm from the south. So uh, if you play blasphemous, you 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 maybe notice that uh, most of the influences, uh, the you know the the visual, the iconographic influences are and come are coming from the south of Spain, from uh, from my area. Right. So that that's kind of like the background story of the of the whole thing and in the game but well uh, i um, i started when i was like maybe 15 years old i i saw half life and counter strike and i fell in love like okay i i i love this thing and the thing that i loved the most uh, was that uh, the game came with a level editor like uh, you know the a game editor included in the cd so I started uh, like doing some some experiments, trying some things. Uh, I I got started in level design, compiling my first uh, levels. I I compiled some that I brought to my you know the how do you call this uh, silver or lang lang coffees. You know these places where people played Counter Strike back in the days. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, sort of internet cafes and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah exactly. Yeah. So all my friends were playing there, and I I brought my first uh, multiplayer levels there with uh, on a disquette, and <laughs> and uh, I saw live people trying my levels, and that was uh, that was pretty revealing to me because I I really loved that that. That moment, like, okay, I see people playing my levels, like, if I made that game, but it was not my game, it was my level. And it was just such an addicting moment to me that I, I wanted more and more and more. So I I kept digging more into level design and, and, uh, and design scripting till I started making my own mods for Half-Life 2. Uh, but I didn't know how to code, so I, I only used visual scripting. And, uh, and actually, I got featured in some magazines, even, uh, you know, British magazine, German magazines, because I was doing something weird. I was making games with no code. I was only using visual scripting, which got way more popular, uh, you know, um, after a few years, because, you know, Unreal, Unreal 3 started using Kismet, which is basically a a whole visual scripting system that is pretty complex and, and you could do basically entire games without code. So I was kind of like a weird pioneer that nobody knew about back in the days, but uh, it actually served the purpose to get uh, uh, you know a position in the industry. So I was hired by Pirate Studios uh, in 2007, which are the developers of Commandos. Oh, that is a game. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's a game. Uh, I can do this. I can definitely do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for the uninitiated Commandos was an extraordinary series of games where mm. you had a little person or people where mm. you'd actually go through and uh, have to avoid um, detection by by the Nazis uh, who occupied various parts of Europe throughout most of uh, uh, the middle of the 20th century and for a bit not for long, happy to say. And um, <laughs> they, uh, you basically spend a great deal of time trying to evade them, whilst or, or not evading them, just dispatching them. That was yeah. very, very satisfying when you set up a trap for them and distracted them, and then just, just sort of brutally murdered them, um, and then dragged them off. It's so wonderful game, but way, way ahead of its time. Uh, stealth mechanics. That's what it was all about. The whole game. It's based on on stealth mechanics. I do remember they they released a, a Star Trek incarnation, which wasn't nearly as good. It's called a Way Team. That was it. <laughs> it wasn't bad, but uh, I remember seeing it at E3 in two thousand one. 
I'm very <laughs> old. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, wow, what was years ago? But um, yeah, Commandos. But uh, 2007, they'd done them by then, are they? Well, they yeah, the, them. yeah. Uh, all the Commandos games were already released, so they mm. were moving on into something new, and, and that, that new thing was called Cops, the police experience. <laughs> and, uh, well, it, it, didn't, it didn't make it. Like, uh, after three iterations, uh, I was working on the third one, third and last one, and it just uh, there was no way to sell that idea of you know you were you were basically playing as a beat cop, like a normal everyday cop, uh, that was like dragged into pretty awesome Hollywood esque uh, <laughs> um, situations, and it was just so hard to sell that fantasy to the to to the publishers. And it it got cancelled with the time. But uh, when that happened, I already ran away to Germany and joined Jäger Development and uh, started working on Spec Ops: The Line. Oh, that is which a is game. another yeah, that is a game. A bit, a bit <laughs> iconic for its yeah. storyline and yeah, because the original Spec Ops games were just simple. I say simple, but relatively straightforward kind of soldier sims. But then they released that thing. Yeah. And, uh, it had wow. nothing to do, nothing to do with the previous games. No, absolutely no, apart from, nothing. <laughs> apart from its name, apart from its well, name, yes, everything else is like there's, there's, there's nothing, you know. And it took everyone, everyone by surprise mm-hmm. uh, for a variety of reasons. So thank you for making that big thumbs well, up. I was actually in charge of the white force or a scene. I mean, it was not my idea, but I scripted the whole thing. <laughs> wow, wow. I mean, any, so, you mentioned anything about that game. It's like, oh, sorry, spoiler. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, I, I, there is white phosphorus. I, I, I never said that. It was no, something important. Something. Once something important happens, but yeah. <laughs> wow. Anyway, so no, it's, it's, it's great pedigree. Carry on. Yeah, sorry. So you, you, and you're, you're there for a while, clearly. And then what? Yeah, after so I worked for for the whole um, Spec of the Line production, which lasted like maybe four years or three years and a half, and then another cool thing happened in my life. But uh, this also led to a cancellation, which was Dead Island Two. That was a game. That's right. not a game. That was a game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, things happened during that production. Uh, some. Uh, Bad decisions were taken, mm. and uh, it 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 just ended with a really nasty cancellation. And uh, I was pretty hurt back then because you know after three years working on something, and then it was yeah, yeah. Um, you no. Know, one day you wake up and you find out that uh, your last three years working on something were completely pointless. So that that hurts a lot and makes you reconsider many decisions in life. Mm. And yeah, after that, I continue working on some prototypes, uh, Jäger development. I mean, the company is, is, is really awesome. I, 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 I will never complain about Jäger because that's like the best company I worked so far. And, uh, and after that, I decided to come back to Spain uh, with my savings. I didn't have any, any project or any, any plan back then. Uh, but then I found out that some friends of mine uh, were trying to pitch a project called Blasphemous, 
at Game Lab in Barcelona. Okay. And nobody was paying attention to that. Everybody said, yeah, it's a, it's a cool idea, but uh, did you find any publisher? No, 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 no luck. No luck with that. And I, I asked this friend of mine, okay, uh, I love the idea and I would love to work on that project. And he told me something that is not very common in Spain, which is, if I have money, I will pay you. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> uh, then uh, the Kickstarter thing happened. Crowdfunding uh -huh. was a complete success. We got nice. like 666% of the, of the initial goal, which uh, was uh, five, uh, no, 50, 50, uh, 100,000, no, sorry, uh, 50, Fifty thousand uh, dollars, and it hadn't okay. been like uh, three hundred thousand or more than three hundred thousand dollars. Nice. So well, it's it, a bit of pressure on those, isn't it? When you get all those investors, because that's what <laughs> Kickstarter people are—they're investors. Yeah, they're uh, investors, yeah, and yeah. Uh, technically and they it, are. It's difficult to fathom or stomach that because it mm. feels like, what are you implying? Well, they're investing in something. There's a risk it might fall through. No offense to your good self, but that's the, that's the case with all crowdfunding it's an investment yeah that that's the part that most of the people that uh put money on kickstarter doesn't know that no it, it doesn't ensure that no. the product will be finished no your consumer rights are very different you aren't a consumer yes. you're yeah, an yeah. investor mm -hmm. and sometimes and i've had it happen to me only twice but i've had i've lost you know lost cash this happens nothing you can yeah. do about it and uh you just you know you, you, you kind of like chalk it up to experience like oh well you know yeah it looked okay but it turns out maybe not you know and uh, <laughs> you just got to be really careful but now i'm very 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 careful but uh, i've still got i've got a lot of board games heading my way dear god anyway <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah stuff so but well congratulations on that and clearly you delivered though you did the thing yeah so finally after 11 years i i um i released my second game <laughs> 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 so yeah it went pretty well actually yeah we're, we're pretty happy at the game kitchen yeah and it's a wonderful sort of story to say that you know i still remember de dust um uh, with uh with counter strike <laughs> which you and i probably could do with our eyes closed now like it's not really it's an extraordinary level that mm. most level i will tell you your job but you could learn much from both good and bad i think uh, hmm. And uh, no doubt, when you're playing FPSs, if you do, you kind of you can't help but to become a little bit attached. Go, I really wouldn't have done it like that, but I see why they're going with that. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just some, it's some, maybe may difficult to play games, but actually, I find most uh, most developers do enjoy playing video games. But we we'll talk about that later. So, as a creator of stuff mm -hmm. that is the game kitchen. What is do you think is your biggest influence? I think you've answered this a little bit with the your environment. You know, this, the, the south of Spain is your is is an influence certainly on the visual aspects of uh, Blasphemous. But uh, what other things do you think influences you as creators? Well, uh, the funny thing with Blasphemous is that it's kind of like a pretty risky experiment that went so well that people were wondering why nobody did this before because you know uh usually i mean we have seen many metroidvania th games with different themes and uh, usually we are used to see games that are based on a specific culture or 
or you know or or country like for example i i never been in japan but i know a lot of things about japan i know what they eat i know some the name of some cities i know how their music sound i know a lot of things and it's uh, thanks to their their influence on my on my on my culture like for example they well they do these mangas animes and uh, games that are based on their things so we were wondering okay uh, this might sound stupid, but what if we do the same in Spain and we send it back to Japan? <laughs> How they will react to that? And that was the whole the whole point with uh, Blasphemous. Like, okay, let's let's take everything that m- make us what we are. Let's put it in, in a in a fantasy. You know, um, let let's frame it in, into a dark fantasy epic world, whatever, and uh, and send it back. And see if that works. And well, actually, we, we didn't have to like to come up with really weird stuff because we are already uh, surrounded by weird stuff here. I mean, Sevilla was the um, how you call this like the, the the headquarters of the Spanish Inquisition of um, yeah the Spanish Inquisition actually. <laughs> And 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 we are surrounded by churches with uh, really weird like. Uh, like I don't know, statues and 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 paintings and I don't know. It, it, we just needed to visit certain places to get uh, all this uh, inspiration for blasphemous. And plus, you know, the music is it's uh, it's can it's influenced by flamenco. But of course, flamenco is such a like uh, happy, maybe happy music. I don't know if I, if that's the right description, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's it's kind of based on that. It's just like a dark, twisted uh, version of, of flamenco. So uh, all these uh, these weird ideas uh, got somewhere. Like 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 uh, we shaped all these ideas, and they at some point they made sense. And we were not prepared for that. <laughs> it was just a, such a crazy experiment that we are still like we are, we're still amazed that it worked and people understood it and uh, and that it's selling so well it's just, it's just i don't know it's it's still surreal for me oh yeah well, well i think i've got i've got some sort of hmm, reasons why i think why it's doing that mainly because it's an excellent game but it's it's very well crafted but also the imagery is believe it or not quite familiar um <laughs> we you know it's certainly for us europeans we yeah. Um, for various parts of Europe, I mean, uh, living in the UK, you know, Catholicism isn't as strong as it is in other parts of of Europe for obvious historical reasons. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually do remember trying to explain to uh, a friend of mine. She's from Italy, from Rome, and yeah. she was ta- she didn't understand what Protest- uh, Presbyterian or Protestant or Church of England sort of uh, churches were like. Did she didn't understand? I said, well, they're plain. This is the relevance to this, uh, Enrique. Um, Anglican churches are bereft of any idolatry. There's just a plain wooden cross. There's no mm. pictures, really. It's just very plain, very sort of, you know, there's no carvings, really, of any kind. It's all <laughs> very... And she was like, what? So, well, yeah, because they're Puritans, remember? There's no idolatry of any kind. So, for me... As a, as a British person who's seen both sides of the Catholicism and familiar 
with Anglican um, churches as well, because I've been in both, of course. Um, it's quite, you know, striking, and it's just, it's quite fascinating to see. And she didn't, she genuinely didn't, she was not familiar with it at all. And she had to say, so, well, you've been here for 15 years and you don't know this. Like, <laughs> I know you know it, Enrico. He's like, oh, yeah, because you, you went to Germany. You know, there was, you know, they had similar thing. You know, they had Presbyterian yeah. and Protestant churches. It's just, just bland, aren't they? Just, there's a reason for that. Yeah, here, uh, yeah, here, everything is baroque. Everything, everything, <laughs> everything, um, everything, and you know this dark imagery, this whole guilt thing, just this yeah. obsession with guilt to the point where you've made it a currency in this yes. game. Yeah, uh, yeah, which is you know you've actually objectively looked at it and said this is Catholicism in a, in a manner of speaking. It's a it's just an aspect <laughs> of, of 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 Catholicism which. You know, with 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 this, if you take it to the natural conclusion, this is what that is. Uh, and uh, but it, you know, it's very, of course it doesn't. That isn't stipulated in the in the game at all. It's not. It's another world. It's another a plane of existence. It's something else. It does. There's no actual reference to any real world uh, historical figures or indeed imagery that mm-hmm. we would recognise as in any way Catholic. But there's certainly an aspect. Which you can't ignore, that you've drawn from that from that religion and said, okay, let's just go with this then. See what happens if we take this to its natural conclusion. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Comp- comparisons are unavoidable. Like yeah. Uh, yeah. that, that had to happen at some point yeah. because I mean, well, it's, it's just blasphemous. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's starting with the with the title of the game. So. <laughs> Yeah, but here, for example, in Seville, we have this uh, the Holy Week, you know, in in Easter, right? And uh, and we have these uh, big, huge processions with yeah. hundreds of penitents with this uh, pointy hat. So yeah. it's just funny that many people thought that that was like a weird idea that we had, but no, actually, we have seen we have been seeing that yeah. since we were kids. Yeah, and people don't know this because. Unfortunately, or fortunately, people still live in these bubbles, despite the internet, or maybe because of the internet. People mm. don't realise that there's still these big religious processions and stuff, and they're mm. living in other parts of Europe or, or other parts of the world that don't have that anymore. I mean, I can state that, you know, in the UK, it's generally don't do it anymore. We just don't, yeah. you know, why? It's just, we just don't, it's not something we do. Um, we still have, you know, religious sort of festivals and to a point, but they're not really observed in that way uh, mm-hmm. for a whole host of reasons, which are way beyond the scope of this podcast. But I think <laughs> it's wonderful that you're drawn to that imagery and that environment and you can't help but be influenced by it, which then led you to make a game called Blasphemous. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> next question. Yeah. What? Uh, what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Oh, um, told you it got harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was I wasn't expecting that. Oh man, uh, what was the name of this guy? <laughs> it just it just weird that uh, I don't remember the name of the guy. But you can say the but, game and then we can so oh yeah he made that what, okay it, it, it was one of the co-creators of uh, counter strike because i had the chance to oh. to meet meeting person in barcelona and he was such a 
close person, such such nice guy, and uh, he has ah oh, damn it! I need to. And do I have time to look in on the Wikipedia? It, it will take me just ten seconds. Yeah, yeah, go on. We'll edit this out. Don't worry. The, 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 entertain yourselves, everyone. Enrique, okay. Look up the I got it. I got it. His name is uh, Mingle. Okay. Because he's, uh, I think he's uh, he's American, but he came from somewhere else. Mm. Yeah, his his uh, his nickname was Guzman. So if you play most of the of the Counter Strike levels, you will see that. Uh, I don't know if he's one of the um, uh, uh, if he designed some of the levels, but uh, you would probably see his name in uh, in some different departments in uh, in Counter Strike. And uh, it's just that that he spends so uh, I don't know maybe half an hour talking to me like like pretty close and uh, it was just amazing that he basically created or helped to create the competitive uh, you know the the competitive the modern competitive concept of of, of first person shooters and uh, he was just like that like 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 me <laughs> it, was just, it was just amazing it was just a regular cool dude who, you know regular dude occasionally <laughs> drinks coffee and mm. just just a human being just like you and uh just so happened to understand what it means to work as a team yes. in, a, in an in FPS and how <laughs> empowering that can be. Um, I speak as someone who was once in a Call of Duty um, uh, clan. This is the original Call of Duty, Call of Duty 1, the very first. Yeah. Like I said, I'm very old. And I was in a clan and I had a great time playing that. Um, but... Uh, uh, yeah, and I can really see the roots of that game being stretched right back to Counter Strike and uh, mm. other games of similar ilk. Uh, Half Life, we've got a lot to thank for that engine. Actually, okay. if I yeah. if I'm honest, I mean the the correct answer is that I don't admire only one person. I admire many, and of especially course. if if I yeah. had the the chance to meet them in person, it's just that every time I fall in love with a new game and I had the chance <laughs> to to meet the person that. That yeah. is behind. Uh, it's just like uh, like like re- re- relieving uh, a, a wonderful experience. Like, oh God, I'm going to meet this person that made this this awesome game that I'm enjoying now. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the reasons I started this show because you know meet the people <laughs> who make the games I love to play uh, <laughs> and find out well, how on earth did you figure this out? But Yes, we get off. I often say, you know, it doesn't have to be one person. It could be a collection of them, and, and that's <laughs> fine. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> so, last question of the first half. See? Yeah. Look, you, you got there. Is okay, this... now for the hardest one. Yeah. yeah, it's the hardest one. But I'm legally obliged to ask this, because it's, <laughs> it's a podcast about video games, so I have to ask it, whether I like it or not. What are you playing right now? Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm I'm in between games right That's now, fine. and actually, I was I was wondering if I should start some classic uh, saga or something. Nice. Uh, actually, nice. I I wanted to start playing um, Fallout Three. Actually, I I've never played it before. I never played right. any Fallout game. Okay, and you've never played a Fallout game. Okay, interesting. N- nope. Uh, and for example, you. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, because uh, it's a wonderful experience. But yeah, carry on. I know. I, probably, I would love it. I mean, the last game I played was uh, No Man's Sky, and I spent like ninety hours. So I mm. thought, okay, if I spend ninety hours playing No Man's Sky, I can probably spend ninety hours playing Fallout or Skyrim. I never played Skyrim. 
okay. for example. And uh, and I had the feeling that they keep releasing that game in every single new platform because they know that that I haven't played. I'm waiting for Skyrim on the on the iWatch. Just it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't don't do that, Bethesda. Don't please don't. No, don't. That's a very bad idea. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm, besides, I'm, I'm a game collector, so I have more than one thousand games, and I uh, have a huge uh, PlayStation One collection because that's wow. my favorite. And uh, seeing how my collection grows and grows uh, every week makes me feel even worse when I start a game because I'm not starting another one. So, <laughs> oh, that's a wonderful answer. Um, <laughs> that's a first. Love- first- First world problem. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> that, you know, sport for choice is the worst for us video gamers because to stand in front of our shelf going, I just don't know. <laughs> yes. so we have a floor to ceiling shelf full of them. Like, I just, I just don't know. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous thing. But um, I, one of the reasons, one of the way I got over that problem is I started streaming. I just started because if I have to stream, then I'm going to have to play these games, right? So, I'm, so I stream all sorts of platforms. You would not believe, and uh, one of the I did I did um, Rage Racer, Rage Racer, on the PlayStation. That's a good mm. game. No one talks about Rage Racer. No, you know, I haven't. Rage, Rage Racer is a good one. If you haven't got it, well, you know, of course you do because you got all of them. But yeah, have, to have a go again. Just go on. And actually, I I have a I have a tendency to buy like weird or or even bad games because you know a, a way to exercise my design skills is to buy bad games and and just you know experience why they are bad and it's just, it's just easier for me to you know are you to recap. Rage Racer is a bad game? Surely not. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> you said Rage Racer. Rage Racer. Yeah, not Rage ah, okay, Racer. yeah, 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 for sure. It's the third I, one. It's the third one. The, ah, Rage. Ah, now yeah, I, now I it. Rage okay. Racer. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, isn't that like the worst of the four first ones? I liked four. You're right. I don't think it's the worst one. I enjoyed it. I don't know. I don't know. It's just that uh, to me, it just it falls apart. It. It's, it, it's just like another thing. Uh, okay. Fair enough. To me, it's Rage Racer, Rage Racer Revolution, and then Rage Racer Type Four. <laughs> oh, is it really? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, I liked but. It. Maybe, maybe, I mean, probably I'm the problem, not yeah, the game. Yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> it's not a racing game anyway. It's not. It's a puzzle game. It's a puzzle game. It is. It's a dumb it puzzle. Yeah, just think about it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's enough about, about video games that aren't blasphemous. Shall we delve into the second half where we have a look at blasphemous? Sure. Let's do it.
So, first question. Regular listeners will know it's not really a question. It's a request. Please, can you tell us, what is blasphemous? What is blasphemous? Okay, uh, people will describe it as a Metroidvania game. And uh, it's probably the closest uh, description. I mean, the closest thing to, to how the game behaves and feels. But actually, it's not quite a Metroidvania game because uh, to make a Metroidvania game, you have to uh, discover new areas and then lock new areas uh, until you get a new skill or ability or something that will allow you to access these areas. That's not how Blasphemous work because you basically, uh, any area that you discover, you can continue forward and uh, and complete it, and then find a new one and complete it, and find a new one and complete it. So uh, it it behaves more like Dark Souls in that sense. So it, you can get new items that will open new areas, but all of them are um, optional, like in Dark Souls. So yeah, we we tend to use the the, the Castlevania and the Dark Souls. Um, comparison like a lot when we talk about blasphemous but it is because our our main influences when we designed the whole game so i don't know if that answered the question actually it does i describe it as an open form action adventure game (laughs) with a complex and rather rewarding combat model Hmm. that that sounds actually better yeah yeah (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) i will send the invoice in the post so (laughs) Um, we've now established that and there are aspects of Blasphemous you haven't covered and I have to describe those before I then start asking certain questions about them Um, there are the key no I'm not going to use that word because it's so so overused but one of the most interesting parts of Blasphemous I've found is it's granularity it's how deep the development of the character is, which, whilst quite uh, expansive, doesn't actually undermine the player's experience to the point where they can min-max the player, the character, and they can just march their way through the levels. It doesn't work that way. It, you know, the abilities you, you grant the player are impressive, but they are very, very um, limited in their execution in other words you have they they cost a lot to do and once triggered they do cause significant they aid a lot but ultimately it's still up to you and your ability to uh interact with the creatures and the things that you encounter Hmm. but so that's that's my setup before my first question i hope you could get a gist of what my first question is is there are prayers you can gain prayers in, Mm -hmm. in in blasphemous and um, I've noticed one of the things that struck me was that I've already indicated that um, they're quite sparing. You you don't offer them willy nilly. They're to gain them and to 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 execute them is costly. Hmm. Why? But there are, there are different ways to get uh, more. You know, there, there is this. Uh, how you call it? Because I, I don't want to call it currency because it, it's just no. like a, a magic bar, you know. The the indeed, the, indeed. The, is it the? But I just uh, noticed how to trigger it costs a lot. I know you get the resource back, but it does. They are you can't go spamming it everywhere because if you do, 
it well he can't basically. I just hmm. want to I want to understand why you went for that mechanic in Blasphemy. I know why. These are all rhetorical questions. I just want you to tell me what, <laughs> what, why why do you why have you got why did you make that a, a difficult to achieve? Not difficult, but a rarity. Well, actually, I don't have the. Maybe I, my perception is different to yours. I don't know. Okay, but, uh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not saying that you you're wrong. I'm I'm just saying that uh, maybe when we designed this, uh, the, you know, the the prayers thing, we thought that there were enough ways to refill that uh, that bar, so the players will always have the chance to use it in case they need it. So, yes. for example, you refill it every time you hit an enemy, you refill it every time you recover a, a guild fragment, and you refill it with a, with a, a mechanic that is called the Blood Penance, yes. which uh, in exchange of health and tears of atonement, which is basically the, the currency in the game, you refill one whole section of the, of the fervor bar. Um, and we thought that that, that was enough. <laughs> but now I started to think that maybe it was not. It's just the the cost of actually triggering it. That's what I'm saying. It's it's not small. You can't mm-hmm. go hammering away at it um, as much as you'd like to do. Depending on what the prayer is, you know, um, there are times when you know you've got it and then you go, oh, I've, I've lost it. And now I'm going to have to I'm going to have to hit something now to get it back. Because well, it's it's about penance. Um, and I mean, I the, the focus yeah. the focus was on the combat, not on the you know on, on the use of the magic spells, uh, so to speak. There so yeah, we yeah <laughs> we didn't want people to, to yeah yeah maybe that's the best answer that I can give you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's what I was waiting for. You were you're focusing. They, they are boltons. They're add-ons. They're helpers, but you can't anchor your play around them. You can't rely on them being present. They are very important. They can get you out of a lot of trouble, but they are not the anchor around which the game is built. That is what I was trying to get at. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're right. It's it's uh, it's an interesting um, mechanic that you just look, it's just like a booster card or something like. There you go in a in a game or a board game or something like. You can do these things, but if you play this card this once or twice, it'll make your life just a little bit easier. Mm. We're going to talk about combat now. <laughs> that is the anchor around which yeah. um, uh, Blasphemous was built. It's rhythmic, isn't it? It um, it feels if if you're if you're standing still, you probably either try to avoid something, or or doing something or dodging something that kind of thing. But what I've, what I found is that the more I became familiar with the rhythm of Blasphemous, hmm. I found I was drawn into a false sense of security. And uh, no, I could confidently stride around going, oh, I got this. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was maybe one of the main problems we had with the with the combat system because most of the people came after playing games like uh, Dead Cells or Hollow Knight, which are games that have really agile and fast characters. And uh, when they played Blasphemous, they found that the character was... Well, the, uh, many people complained that uh, that the controls were um, was a word for that. Uh, well, the uh, controls were were not responsive enough to mm-hmm. them, and that was not. Uh, I mean, our intention was to make a responsive character, but we wanted it to feel heavy because it's not an agile character. It's it's it's, it's strong. This is why, for example, we don't have a, a wall jump mechanic. You you st- st- stuck the the um, 
well, you use the sword to to get uh, attached to the wall. You use the sword as a verb in the game. You use the sword basically for for everything. But you are not super agile. You don't have this double jump. Even if I love double jump, I made a game without double jump, and it hurts. But it, I was just trying to be um, consistent with uh, with how we designed the character. Yeah. So um, it has weight. Exactly. It's this is why gravity. I mean, that sword is a weight. Why? Because that's his soul. That's his guilt. That's the point. The whole thing is about, you know, just the feeling of the weight of the world upon you. Yeah. Um, that's sorry. I'm. <laughs> no, but actually, gravity was one of the one of the things that we um, we didn't want to forget. I mean, uh, it, it's it's just. You feel that uh, the 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 person the, the character has weight all the time for for most of the um, uh, for for most of the traversal mechanics that it has. When you fall from from a from a you know from very height, you hard land on the on the ground, and we 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 wanted to to turn that into something useful because we knew that the character had to you know to fall hard on the ground. Make yeah. make this this impact. So okay, uh, it's not ninja. So it will fall hard, and I will get stuck in there for a moment. So we'll turn this into something useful. And this is why you you hurt the enemies if you are if they are underneath. And if you use one of the special attacks that that is uh, the um, the you know the vertical attack. I don't know how we call it in the. You know this is a problem for developers that we we tend to remember only the placeholder names and not the final ones. <laughs> so no, I don't no, know. No. I don't know how that special move was called, but it's uh it's, it's kind of, it, it's the vertical attack. So uh, we we try to to portray this this weight of the character for every single thing, not only for the traversal ones, uh, for for the traversal mechanics, but also for the combat mechanics. And I don't know, actually, I I think that we did a good job, but uh, you know, it everybody has everybody has a different opinion about that. And I can understand that if you come from another game where the character is more agile, you will have more problems trying to adapt to this. You know, to these controls. I don't know how it how it fell for you. Um, I lodged onto the imagery and the atmosphere, and then started to see why it was so seemingly not. I was going to use the word cumbersome or clumsy, but it's not. It's not. Hmm. It is very fluid, but it has gravity to it. Everything has such a heft, an effort. Everything is. Just a little bit too hard, just a little bit heavier, a little bit slower, a little bit sort of, mm. um, just sort of, uh, just, everything felt like an extra effort. And not only you, but the, 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 the strange creatures you encounter, especially when they're wielding large sort of maces or something like that, yeah. they too are labouring under the weight. Of and you, you, they, you, know. you talk about the rhythm. Yeah. And actually, I think that's an important word here. Like uh, you had to get, you had to understand how every enemy moves, and uh, and if you can deflect the attack with a with a parry, you have to understand, you know, the the moment in which you can do that. I mean, usually in in other games that are more fast paced, that doesn't matter. I mean, it, it only matters how fast you move and how fast you react, but you don't have to wait for anything. And in Blasphemous, that's that's the thing that people have have. 
uh, well, they they, uh, they have more problems with this uh, specific point is that they have to adapt to timings that are not uh, intrinsic for you know uh, intrinsic to the to the main character. Yeah. Like they had to understand how the world moves and when they when the world moves. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to ask about tension now. Mm-hmm. So one emotion I felt when playing Blasphemous, and I know why you did this again. I know why is what I crafted this question. Is um, it, there is an overwhelming sense of tension in Blasphemous, principally because the rather impressive placing you have of save points you're a level designer so you know what I'm talking about it's like I, I don't know how far I've been on this bit but if I die now I swear <laughs> and so there's always that I'm always looking at that health bar up on the top mm. left hand corner saying can I, can I cope with this I mean because one of the things that we haven't really discussed that much and um, uh, it's is how the enemies move. Because that's the big way you keep uh, a challenge going with Blasphemous is the sense of, you know, well, here's this new creature I've never encountered. I don't know what they're going to do. They're just standing there. I know they're going to turn into some blob monster in a minute, maybe. Or they're just going to lunge at me for, with some weird thing. I don't know. Um, or that statue looks pretty innocent enough probably isn't um and it's just that sense of of foreboding of any minute now you're probably gonna die and you have to go back and pick up all that guilt you dropped <laughs> um why was this always there as part of the experience was this was this a design decision to say i want to put tension into the hands of or give a sense of of tense of anxiety on the part of the player not uncomfortable anxiety because that's not pleasant but a sense of uh, anxiety or tension or is that was that was it the intention of blasphemous do you think sure i mean as i mentioned before we were going for uh you know for a level design closer to dark souls and what they do pretty well in Dark Souls is uh, portraying this this feeling of, of tension all the time. As soon as you advance a little bit more than the last time, you start to feel tense because you are wondering at that point where is the next, uh, <laughs> the next, how do you call it, uh, bonfire, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, actually, most of the sections in Blasphemous uh, from one checkpoint to the next one are no more than maybe five screens. I mean, I try not to make it pretty you know, uh, far away from each other. The the uh, the thing is that usually in those five screens you will find uh, some you know uh, some challenges that might not <laughs> be completed in the first try. But actually, after the first time, you will see that uh, next time you try you can finish everything pretty fast. And most of the time, the problem is that you engage in every single combat. And we wanted to, uh, basically, we wanted to welcome every every single uh, kind of player. So we know that some players like to engage on every combat. Other players want to just uh, go forward and, and, and complete the game as soon as possible, like, you know, speedrunners. So we didn't want to uh, force the player to engage in every every situation they just can bypass them but most of the of the players are, are pretty proud 
players and <laughs> and they they need to to engage in every combat and and explore everything so uh i don't think that the game is actually pretty hard it's just that the players make it hard because they 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 want to to beat the whole area in their in their terms you know it's like i will not complete this area unless i kill every single enemy <laughs> so uh the the checkpoint placement i think it's pretty fair in fact in some places i think i place more than more checkpoint checkpoints that i should and if the checkpoints are pretty far from each other i usually try to make a shortcut of something at some point mm. so even if it looks that there is only one checkpoint in one big area uh, you probably can open shortcuts to yeah. you know to complete the area faster mm. uh, but anyways that that's my perception that, that was actually um, at least my intention i don't know if uh, I mean, I, I'm still waiting for feedback. So, if you have any complaint or, or any no, idea, no, it's just I thought I thought it was very well designed in that regard. You know, mm. you, you you create a sense of tension, but not to the point where the, where blasphemous is in any way unfair. That's what that's, I'm trying to say. That's good to hear. A sense of, uh, uh, okay, that's just about right, but it's borderline. Mm. But what that means, that's good because it's not too easy or too hard. It's you know. Goldilocks zone. In that in that sense, I uh, I mean I I'm a huge Castlevania fan. Otherwise, I would have made this uh, you know this this map properly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have a huge collection. I have played most of the Castlevania games, and at least the um, you know the Metroidvania kind of games, not the classic ones. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know what what works and what it doesn't. So I was. I was I was pretty confident that the mod was going to feel good or or fair. I was uh, avoiding most of the backtracking, unnecessary backtracking. So yeah, of course, in a Metroidvania game, of course you had to backtrack to you know to collect some things and find some items. But uh, my intention was that you could complete Blasphemous without revisiting any area, if possible. That's uh, and I think that's possible. It is. I'm sure. Haven't done it, but yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> it's it's an, maybe an achievement buried in it. I don't know uh, <laughs> if it was another. Well, we're talking about achievements, so I'll, I'll shut up. Anyway, <laughs> last question. I know. Yeah. But, you know, we've got to stop in the end. It's good. Can't keep going like this. Oh, you probably want to. Uh, I do. Um, collection of items. Most games, you know, are big collectathons. We all know Crackdown being a great example. The first one, by the way, not the, the subsequent terrible sequels. Um, but uh, it's not really that core to Blasphemous. You don't have to do it, I don't think. It's nice, and mm -hmm. it's an extra bit of... But um, why did you do that? Why did you make it a, a thing you can do if you want to, rather than like something you need to do in order to progress? Why did you do that? Well, as I mentioned before, we want to welcome every every type of player and uh, there are some players that are i mean i i'm, I'm a completionist i love to right. get the 100 percent. that that what makes me happy when i play one of these games and uh, there are players that just don't want to and don't want to feel forced to do it so and, and we cannot punish any of these players for doing what they think it's fun so 
we just allow to play it in any way and 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 that's it we don't and we're fine with that and uh maybe <laughs> i noticed that most of the people are wondering why there are so many bones in the game there's so many collectibles in the game in yeah, Blasphemous. Right. yeah but this is something that it's a it's a kickstarter reward so it ah. ended being it ended being 38 people and we added uh, uh i think four more just in case right. and uh, yeah just in case some people were i don't know it it, it could happen and uh, and yes, um, and since we have to spread all the items around the the, the map, uh, it just happened that it feels that there are way too many collectibles in the game. But yeah. you know, this is something that we promised, so we had to do it. No, that's fine. It's great. Great. <laughs> no, I just want to ask about it because it's a unique way. Of like, wait, this is, yeah, this is stuff. Here's some stuff. Here's some more stuff. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Um, but. Uh, no, it's, it's a lovely addition. It just adds to the world that you're in and, again, draws the player in, which you've done a fantastic job of doing that. So, so oh, thanks. Thing. Right, so Blasphemous by Game Kitchen uh, is out now on Nintendo Switch. I don't yep. think it's any other platforms. It's just a... No, it's in, in every platform, actually. Oh, it is. It is, so, it is. Yeah, um... my, my brain's going all fried. So it's on PlayStation 4, Xbox One... PC Windows, is that right? Yeah, and Switch, and maybe by the time some people here listen to this uh, podcast, uh, the, the game will be launched already in Mac and Linux. But uh, nice. that's something that hap- didn't happen yet no, by this no. time, you know. But uh, it will happen in the future. That's so. fantastic because my laptop's a Macintosh because oh. it's a it's a MacBook Pro because those things can take a bullet and still go. They're amazing. Let's <laughs> keep going, my friend. Let's keep going. <laughs> Uh, and I travel a lot, and uh, so it's really it's it can take a you know take a bit of juggling around. I've got to ask Game Kitchen, where'd the name come from? What, what was that? Do you know? Actually, I don't know because I was I jo- I joined the studio after they took that decision, and uh, I still think it's a weird name, but it's I got it, yeah. I just uh, we love to ask the developers, I guess, about their name. Uh, where's that come from? And we get I, some I, fantastic answers. I, I I guess it's because our love for gastronomy in Spain and because we we cook the games. Yeah, you cook them. We yeah. we cook them with love and you slowly. Do. You don't yes. burn them. You have to <laughs> gently cook them and bring them to a boil. I, I guess that was of... the point. Yeah, yeah, I guess that was the yeah. point. As your craftspeople, you mm. don't just throw it into a microwave. You're proper, <laughs> you know, your chefs of games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> no. sometimes I thought that our AAA version of the game Kitchen will have these, you know, rooms with experimental kitchen. Yes. And with, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You, you spend years making a game and not release it. Oh, no. Didn't say that. No, that'd be terrible. <laughs> That's something Blizzard does, apparently. Um, so, uh, Enrique, it's been wonderful having you on. You've been a great guest. Thanks for, for spending <laughs> your time with us. Yeah, thank you. It was very fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I could tell you had some fun times. I know I did. Um, of course, you're more than welcome to return to talk about your next game, whatever they may be. I can assure you, we will be here. We've had a lot of return guests recently <laughs> because the show's <laughs> been going for so long. They come back, you know, three or four years later. And go, I made another thing. <laughs> 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 can we call your show again and talk about it? Of course. So. Um, <laughs> 
Again, the invite is there permanently to you, Enrique, and your and any other member of your team, of course. So, without further ado, thank you very much, Enrique. Thanks to you. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone.